Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Lots to get to today, including an unfortunate injury update on Casey Sezikis. We'll have the latest, plus we will preview tonight's game in Nashville as the Islanders embark on an important four-game road trip that uh, takes them to teams, you know, playing against teams from the Western Conference And it's going to be important that the Islanders have some kind of success on this road trip. Out of a possible eight points, I think they need to capture at least five to make this road trip a successful one. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show as well. We'll also have a big night for Brian Trottier on this date in Islanders history and a lot more to come. Don't forget, if you want to talk to us, join the show, have a question, a comment, maybe a topic you would like us to discuss, please send us an email, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, and if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air as we discuss your topic or question of choice. We will, uh, you could also follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI, and we'll keep you up to date on all things happening in the news with the New York Islanders like we did today when we talked about the Casey Sezikis interview, and that's where we are going to start our show today. Sezikis, with a laceration on his leg, suffered in uh, the game on Tuesday night against the Philadelphia Flyers. He is out three to four weeks and he has been placed on the injured reserve. The Islanders calling up Cole Bardrow from Bridgeport to take the place or at least the roster spot of Casey Sezikis. And how important is Sezikis to this team? Well, let's take a look. I mean, you look at his numbers, first of all, just straight up numbers. In 48 games, 10 goals, 4 assists, a plus 12 uh, rating right now for Casey Sezikis, which happens to be first on the team. He has 133 hits in 48 games, 39 block shots. He has won more than half his faceoffs, three shorthanded goals, uh, five shorthanded points overall, and he has his 10 goals on just 67 shots, but, you know, it goes beyond goals and points, you look at the statistics, again, five of his 14 points coming shorthanded, 
Sezikis is a big part of the penalty kill. And now, with Sezikis out of the lineup for the next three or four weeks, you already have Cal Clutterbuck out of the lineup. Two-thirds of that Islanders' fourth line, you know, the, the best fourth line in hockey, as it's been called, the reunited best fourth line in hockey, not in the lineup for an extended period of time, and it's going to make things a little more difficult for the Islanders, especially on the PK, and that's important. Right now, the Islanders' penalty kill ranks 17th in the league, 79.7% success rate at killing off opposing power plays, but they now, without Clutterbuck and Sezikis, have lost... That that was probably their top pairing on the PK, and they're both gone. Now, I like the idea of calling up Bardro because he is a similar type of player in a lot of ways to Sezikis. He's not Casey Sezikis yet, but look, it took Zeke a few years to raise his game and improve offensively and be able to, you know, reach the level he's reached, so you got to give a guy like Bardro some time. Look, he's already played nine games this year with the Islanders. One goal, one assist. A minus one is the uh, plus minus six penalty minutes. And not a bad total of 19 hits in nine games. So at least, you know, you got a guy who plays a similar kind of game. And that is encouraging Hopefully, you know, Bardro, I get the feeling, will be in a bit of a rotation now. And look, you've got guys like Ross Johnston who could get more ice time. Tom Cunackle could get more ice time. They may end up moving uh, or, or making sure, rather, that Derek Broussard fills in now at center. Uh, there are a number of different options. And of course, they, they can also insert uh, Bardro into the lineup at center. So, look, I get the feeling what's going to happen based on what we know about Barry Trotz, that a bunch of these guys, the Cunackles, the Johnstons, the Bardros, they're going to alternate games. And some of them are going to, to, you know, be, you know, one or two of them will be in the lineup, one or two of them will be the healthy scratch on the night, And once Trotz gets a feeling for which players are working well with each other, which players are playing better, which players fit in more with the team's style of play, those are the guys who are going to get more ice time, and then some of the other guys will more likely be the black aces of the team. And, you know, when someone gets hurt or needs a rest or a maintenance day, those guys will fill in, but... At the end of the day, Trotz is going to make sure that these third and fourth line players earn their ice time. And realistically, that's the way you want it to be. So Cole Bardro coming up to replace Casey Sezikis. But really, you know, in addition to the numbers that Sezikis puts up, the intangibles that he brings, he's a leader in the locker room, uh, always been a big Casey Sezikis fan, nice guy, good to interview, good to speak with. He will be missed. And now with Sezikis and Clutterbuck out of the lineup, 
not only are you missing two-thirds of your fourth line, but you're also missing a lot of leadership in that locker room, and the Islanders are going to have to find a way to respond. All right, we've got a lot more to talk about. We will be taking a look back at this date in Islanders history, a big game for Brian Trottier against a division rival. Plus, we will preview the first of the four-game road trip, tonight's game in Nashville, and we'll talk a little bit about the importance of this road trip. All this and more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so the Islanders back in action tonight at Nashville to take on the Predators, and here is a four-game West Co- Western Conference, but not West Coast, road trip. And look, you look at the standings right now, and the Islanders clearly cannot afford to have an off time. You know, they can't go west and go one, two, and one, or one and three, and 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 because the standings are so tight right now that you slump, you go one and three on this road trip. Right now, the Islanders are in third place but not far from first. They're only five points out of first with a game in hand. Two points behind the Penguins for second place, but they're two points ahead of Columbus, three points ahead of Philadelphia, and five points ahead of Carolina. So you go slumping, and any one of those three teams right behind you could easily catch or pass the Islanders in the standings. There really isn't room for error And as these injuries mount, it gets to be a situation where they've got to figure this out quickly on how to respond, how to get guys to step up and fill in and take care of business because none of these games are going to be easy. Look, the Predators, they let their coach go. They are struggling, but they're still an above 500 team playing at home. The Golden Knights, again, another team that has fired their coach. That's the second game of this road trip on Saturday. Not an easy game. And and look, let's face it also, playing in Las Vegas is a potential distraction for a lot of these players. Uh, and they have to handle that. Then you go to uh, Arizona, play the Coyotes. That is next Monday. And then the road trip closes out next Wednesday in Denver against the Colorado Avalanche. Not, again, not an easy four games. And the Islanders, look, they're capable of winning all four of these games. They're also capable of getting beaten badly. And they have to rise to the occasion and play their best hockey. And I, I think the one thing that we're still not seeing from this team is consistency. And that's the frustrating thing. I mean, look back at the Tuesday game against Philadelphia. The Islanders played a very strong first period. Shots on goal were roughly even, but the Islanders had the better chances. They were crashing the net. They were screening the goalie, getting rebounds, creating quality scoring chances. Then in the second period, you know, both teams didn't play particularly crisp, good hockey, But the Islanders in particular were kind of stationary. They were passive, especially in their own zone, and a little bit sloppy. And all of a sudden, that 3-0 lead is evaporated down to 3-2. That kind of inconsistency 
is not going to get the job done down the stretch. You you can't play that kind of hockey where you have one good period, one bad period, uh, or one good game and one bad game. 500 hockey, or even slightly above 500 hockey, isn't going to get it done down the stretch for the New York Islanders. And the one thing they had during that 17-game point streak is that they were consistent, especially in their own zone. Sure, they had lapses. Look, these guys are human. They're going to have their share of mistakes. They're going to make errors. But overall, they played a consistent brand of hockey, I would say, for the first 14 or 15 of those 17 games. And you're not going to stay at that level the whole time. But this this team, look, two big wins against two division rivals earlier this week. Washington and Philly, those were two important wins. And we talked on the show about the Washington win being a statement game and that they needed to back that up by playing well again against Philly. Well, they got four points out of those possible four points against the two division opponents. Now they head west. That means a little less pressure because it's not a four-point game in the sense of, you know, we talked about this. Had Philadelphia beaten the Islanders in regulation... Philly would have passed the Islanders in the standings. As of now, the Islanders have a three-point lead on the Flyers. Flyers would have had a one-point lead had they won in regulation on Tuesday night. So those are four-point swing games. The Western Conference, you don't have those. And even if the game goes to overtime, you know, you can go for it. Because the extra point, if a Western Conference team gets that bonus point in overtime or in a shootout... That doesn't hurt the Islanders, but, you know, they really want to get that point for themselves, and they can, you know, be a little bit more aggressive in overtime and in shootouts when you're facing the Western Conference because uh, you don't care if the Vegas Golden Knights get that bonus point or the Colorado Avalanche or the Arizona Coyotes. You know, those are teams that don't affect you in the playoff standings, and, and therefore, you could be a little bit more aggressive. Got to also tip the hat right now to Anthony Beauvillier playing some very strong hockey in recent games. Beauvillier had a six-game point-scoring streak ended in the game against Philadelphia, but still uh, playing very strong hockey as of late. Five goals and three assists in that span. And then You know, before that, he was hot as well, going on uh, a three-game streak. So overall, you know, since January 14th, the uh, 8-2 win against Detroit on that date, in 11 games since that Detroit game and including that Detroit game, Bavillier, seven goals, six assists, that's 13 points. And uh, look, that's the kind of hockey that the Islanders need to see from some of their top six forwards. They need these guys to step up. And, you know, we talked a few times on this show about how badly the Islanders need to add some more scoring to their lineup. Well, I I think at the end of the day, the bottom line is that there's one statistic that I think sort of sums that up very, very well. Here we are, 55 games into this season. That means there's 27 games left on the schedule. 
The Islanders have exactly one player with 20 or more goals. That's Brock Nelson with 21. And no players, no players on the New York Islanders are averaging a point a game or more. None. And if you look at the overall league scoring leaders, the top-ranked Islander on this list right now, Matthew Barzal, 38th in the league with 48 points. That's 38th in the league. Got to do better than that. I'm not saying you got to have a 40-goal scorer or three guys with 36 goals or whatever the case may be. But this team needs a little bit more scoring punch, and there's no doubt about that as we head closer and closer to the trade deadline. And don't forget, we will keep you up to date on all the trade deadline rumors, news, and events as we get closer and closer to the big day. All right, we will step out when we come back. We will preview tonight's game against the Nashville Predators and... We'll have a look back at this date in Islanders history. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Okay, time for this date in Islanders history. We go back to February 13th, 1982 at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. A Patrick Division showdown between the Islanders and the Philadelphia Flyers. Two winning teams battling for supremacy in the Patrick Division. And it didn't take the Islanders long to get on the board. Brent Sutter scoring just 66 seconds into the game. His 10th from Clark Gillies and Dennis Potvin. And it was a 1-0 Islanders lead. Then with Paul Holmgren in the penalty box for interference, Brian Trottier takes advantage. He gets the power play goal. His 31st from Mike Bossy and Hector Marini. Time of the goal, 9.02, and after 20 minutes, the Islanders had a 2 to nothing lead. Paul Holmgren into the box for high sticking late in the fir- uh, first period, and then early in the second period, Trottier takes advantage. His second goal of the game, 32nd of the year from Bossy and Dennis Potvin, and it's 3 nothing Islanders. But the Flyers... Well, they don't give up quite that easily. And with Dennis Potvin in the penalty box for tripping, Ron Flockhart gets a power play goal, his 25th from Ray Allison, and the Flyers were back in the game at 3-1. But the Islanders take advantage of some foolish Flyers penalties. Glenn Cochran off for cross-checking. And then, 23 seconds later, goalie Pete Peters called for slashing. The Islanders get a two-man advantage, and Brian Trottier scores two goals during the power plays that followed his 33rd and 34th of the year. The first one from Bossy and Dennis Potvin at 8:41. Then at 9:10, Bossy and John Tanelli assist on the second one, and all of a sudden it's a 5-1 Islanders lead. But the Flyers. Trying to stay in it midway through the period, they answer Brian Propp, an even-strength goal, his 33rd of the year from Ron Flockhart and Ray Allison, 5-2 hockey game, and Trottier, he wasn't done yet. He gets his fifth goal of the game with a minute 28 still to go in the second period. That's his 35th of the year from Bossy and Tonelli, and the Islanders had a 6-2 lead after 40 minutes of hockey. In the third period, 
The Islanders adding to their lead. Hector Marini, his fourth from Billy Carroll and Clark Gillies at 6.15. And then Gillies closes out the scoring with his 24th of the year from Marini and Mike McEwen at 11.38. Islanders win this one over the Flyers 8-2 on this date in Islanders history. 21 saves for Batlin Billy Smith to get the win. Mike Bossy. Five assists, Brian Trottier, five goals on five shots. Dennis Potvin, three assists and three-point games for both Clark Gillies and Hector Marini. Each of them with a goal and two assists. Mike Bossy took eight shots on goal for the Islanders to lead the team in this one. And by the way, four of Trottier's five goals coming with the man advantage. Again, the Islanders beating the Philadelphia Flyers 8-2 on this date in Islanders history, February the 13th, 1982. All right, tonight, Islanders in Nashville. The Predators right now, 26-22-7. 59 points. That places them in seventh place in the very competitive Central Division. But they're only one point behind Minnesota for sixth. Four points behind Winnipeg for fifth. So even though they're struggling, they are far from out of playoff contention right now. Their last game, uh, which came on Monday night, a 6-2 loss in Vancouver against the Canucks. They've lost two in a row, also falling on the road in Edmonton uh, two nights before the loss to Vancouver. They lost that one 3-2. So... You know, some struggles going on right now in Nashville. You look at the numbers, and they aren't great. They are right in the middle of the pack, 14th in goals scored. But defensively, they are 24th in goals allowed. And believe it or not, special teams, a problem for the Predators. They are 23rd on the power play with a 16.8% success rate. And and dead last in the NHL right now on the PK, only 73.7% success on the penalty kill. The Islanders must take advantage of that coming into this game. They have got to be able to get some power play goals against a struggling Nashville Predators penalty kill. The goalies right now, Pecorine, still the starter. He's made 32 starts, 17, 13, and 3, but a 3-1-1 goals against average and an 8.95 save percentage. Those are not typical Pecorine numbers. UC Saros is the backup. He is 9-9-4, a 3.03 goals against average, and a 9.01 save percentage. Roman Yossi leading the team with 55 points, 41 of those assists. He's also a plus 21, and 19 of his points come on the power play. Players to be aware of, Philip Forsberg leading the team with 18 goals, Matt Duchesne uh, with 35 points, and Nick Benino with 32. Hot players right now? Well, right now, Michael Granlund, pretty much uh, three goals in his last five games, so he's been a little bit hot lately. And the Islanders have to be certainly aware of what he can do. You look at the line combinations. Ryan Johansson centers the top line 
with wingers Matt Duchesne and uh, and Granlund around him. Kyle Turris is the second-line center with Philip Forsberg and Victor Arvidsson flanking him. The third line, Nick Benino, is the center for the Nashville Predators, and his wingers are Rocco Grimaldi and Craig Smith. Colton Sissons is the fourth-line pivot with uh, Callie Yarknarok, uh, oh, that's a toughie, uh, and Austin Watson on his wings. The defensive pairings for Nashville, Roman Yossi and Dante Fabro are the top pairing, followed by Jared Tenorti and Matthias Ekholm, and Dan Hamhuis and Yannick Weber are the third unit on defense. Ryan Ellis right now, the key injury that really hurts Nashville because he is a big part of what they're trying to do. All right, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, we will preview tomorrow this weekend's game. So we'll certainly have uh, that. We'll also have an in-depth analysis of tonight's game in Nashville. So we have got a lot to talk about right here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Thanks, as always, for joining us. If you're enjoying the show Please leave us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other Islanders fans find the podcast and helps to grow the Locked On Islanders podcast family. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks so much for listening to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.